Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you from the heart of Yorkshire, England, where I've been having a pretty busy time lately. My work schedule has been incredibly hectic, and honestly, I don't quite know how I managed to get the podcast produced last week, but I'm so glad I did, and it was a lot of fun doing it, reviewing new Dexter again. It was great. So, how is everyone doing? Starting to gear up for the Christmas season, perhaps? Still a bit early for me, but not long now. And we've got our favourite off-the-wagon serial killer to keep his company as we head into winter. Before we get into this week's new episode, and uh, sorry, Mum, but I'm going to have to say a naughty word in a minute. But before we start, I must, uh, again, express my gratitude to my patrons who have been helping support the podcast. Travis Shefflin... Deanna Chow, Jennifer Pennington, Axel at the DVR Podcast Network, and my two premier supporters, Nick Henderson and Kim Shane. Thank you so much, everyone. I am humbled by your support. If anyone else wants to support the show, head to patreon.com slash dissectingdexter, where you can chip in a pound a month, which converts to a dollar something, and it all helps cover the podcast hosting costs. Okay, so speaking of patrons... I'm delighted to welcome one of them today. Purely a coincidence, though, as we talked about doing an episode together a few months ago. I had a warm, fuzzy feeling last week when listener Mike Herkham said I'd inspired him to get into podcasting. And my guest this week was someone who inspired me way back during the heyday of Lost and the massive online community that built up around that, including a certain Lost Mythos theory cast. To me and many others, he is a podcasting superstar, now running the DVR Podcast Network from his home in Oregon, the one-time home of our favourite lumberjack. I'm really happy to welcome Axel Foley. Hey, Axel. Hi, Gareth. Thank you so much for having me on, pal. Um, this is great. I'm so happy that Dexter's back. I'm so happy that you're back. Your appearance on the official Dexter podcast was awesome. I've been listening to all the shows you've done, your last show where you talked about the premiere, and uh, I'm just super excited, man. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, the the pleasure is mine too. It's uh, it's it's good to chat to you again. It's been a while since we podcasted together, but uh, yeah, better late than never. And we're we're together again now and uh, talking about new Dexter, which is really exciting. Um, I. I have to ask you, because we, we were talking about getting together a few months ago uh, when you had, I think you were getting towards the end of your rewatch of Dexter. Mm -hmm. And I think I was very early on in my re-re-watch. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I just wondered, uh, how, having now you've completed your, your rewatch of the original run of the show, had your feelings changed at all on a second watch from how you felt the first time around? Um, no, you know, I think that I just still love Dexter. I, I was not one that was too, I mean, I, I noticed, and I think it's undeniable that there, you know, the last couple seasons had some questionable storylines and we didn't, it, it seemed a little bit different, sometimes rushed, not, not as true to the original seasons but I still always enjoyed it and I, I always enjoy the tone and the acting so I mean especially 
the, our lead, Dexter himself. Um, so I loved it just as much the second time. I mean, I think I liked it even more. I think I enjoyed I think I even liked him and Deb getting together more the second time, though I never really liked that. But I at least it was, you know, I don't know. I just really loved being back with the characters. And I feel the same way about this new season as well, even though we don't have a, you know, I mean, it's really we're really only getting two of the characters we had really only one. But still, you're getting that same feel. And I'm just I'm along for the ride. Excellent. Yeah, I uh, well, my my re rewatch is uh, well, it's obviously put on the back burner now. But uh, I got to the start of season four, so I I really kind of limped limped through it. I, I, it was fits and starts over the summer, but when there's so much other new stuff to yeah. watch uh, and only a limited time to watch, um, it's tricky, isn't it, trying to juggle everything? But um, it is. There's there's yeah, so much I've, to watch. I, Plenty, plenty to enjoy on a on a repeat viewing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, I think I enjoyed it even more and picked up the subtleties and nuances. And it's just, you know, I don't know. It's so strange for a show about a serial killer. Dexter just always puts a smile on my face. I don't know what to what to say. <laughs> uh, tonally, I get. I guess it. It's it's one of those that. Um, it does. It does have a, a warmth about it, doesn't it? And it does. For the most part. Yeah. For the most part, always yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, which kind of juxtaposes with the the dark shit that he gets up to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, just before I was going to do this podcast, my son said, "What do you do in your podcast about?" And I said, "About Dexter." And he said, "Hey." He looked at me and he kind of he kind of was had his little thinking face on, and he said. Isn't that the show about a serial killer that kills serial killers? And I was like, yes, it is. And he was like, that's kind of cool. And I was like, all right, you can watch it in about 10 years. But, yeah, yeah. you know, it's but like that Dexter has a heart, like you say. And it's yeah. there's it never it never became torture porn. Right. In my mm. eyes. Yeah. So that's always the difference. And I think this new season, we're getting that same thing. We're getting even more of a return to a man in crisis who wants to do the right thing and who honestly, you know, he thinks he's doing the right thing, right? Like that's Dexter is in a way like a Ned Stark. His code gets in the way of him doing what's right. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. And he was he was in crisis on and off through the original run, and we we joined him in, in episode one at a moment where he's entering a new crisis. Uh, how did you like the first episode? I loved it. I loved it. I mean, I'm 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 always a fan of snow and winter, and this is set in December. I mean, what I think he, we see a calendar in this episode, and it's like December seventeenth, or like it's very close to like Christmas time. Um, I, I mean, I think the way they kind of slowly reintroduced, like even the music didn't cue until he did the, he did the kill. Right. And then the kind of the music comes in the way they were very plain almost in the presentation. 
now in this episode, I felt like this was more of a Dexter episode again. It felt like when the cops showed up, I was like, where's LaGuardia? Like, where, you know what I mean? Like, it just felt like they're kind of building that back up again. We're getting introduced to all these different characters. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I, I felt like they just slid right back in. And of course, Dexter himself. I mean, what can you say? There's no. It's Dexter, right? Like, it there's. He's such a great actor that there's there's just no change. It's not like he had to get back into the role. Um, and I think that having Deb there, the the first cue you talked about it in your first episode. I mean, I had been, quote unquote, you know, spoiled that she was returning. But when yeah. you the one episode I didn't listen to is where you talk with the two other guys about the a lot of the preview and stuff because you said, "Hey, I might spoil some stuff." So I was like, "Sorry, Gareth, I love you, but I, I don't want to know." But I knew as soon as like the refrigerate because they always did that in the first one too, right? Like he would open a refrigerator or he'd open a door and then he'd close it, and like Harry would be standing there, right? So yeah, I yeah. knew that was going to be Deb was going to talk to him. Um, and having her on the having her back is, I think, a really genius move. And especially the way it developed in this episode, how antagonistic she was towards his decisions and where he's going was really great because you need that in this show right or else he's just a crazy guy yeah yeah it helps to have someone to play off like that yeah and uh yeah yeah okay so let's let's get into uh the minutiae of the episode so we're talking about dexter new blood episode two storm of fuck Sorry, Mum. Original air date, the 14th of November, 2021. Written by Warren Sue Leonard and directed by Marco Siega. So we left things last week with a conversation about to happen that I, for one, really wanted to hear. And I was um, I was glad they didn't waste any time getting into that this week. Dexter being able to talk to his long-lost son, who's now at an age where he can properly converse in a more mature way. It must be so weird and hard knowing what to say for anyone, never mind who, someone who has a track record of ineptitude when it comes to subtlety and empathy. Remember, I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> and what's Dexter's opening gambit? You got big. <laughs> I have to say, I don't know what I would say in that situation either, so... I can't judge, <laughs> but um, I, I look at Dexter and, and, and how he's probably been working hard the last eight or so years, like the surface of a lake uh, where he's been trying to keep the water calm and steady and mm -hmm. all these circumstances he's put around himself for protecting him, protecting himself and, and keeping the waters calm. And then Harrison shows up like a like a kid's just throwing a massive rock into the lake and now that water's in turmoil again. And then this coincided with Matt Coldwell fitting the old um uh the old code last episode and allowed the dark passenger to resurface. However, um it's it's also stirred up those fatherly instincts too. 
feeling he's been trying to feelings he's been trying to forget about since leaving Miami. Uh, and, and these have come to the surface again when faced with his son, and he's been reminded of that need to make a connection and and hear uh, with his son, as they put it on the Dexter wrap-up last week, the only living evidence that Dexter Morgan's actually real. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the gist. Uh, and, and that's something he, he wants to cling on to now. He, he has another chance. But I, I, I did enjoy the the interaction um, that they had together here, this, this conversation where Dexter sort of dance around it, dances around it a bit without revealing anything incriminating. Um, how, what did you feel about this scene? I thought it was great, man. And I mean, again, of course, Michael C. Hall is fantastic in everything he does. Our ginger mate, right? He, he, he like us, is a, of the ginger variety. Um, I always have to mention that, of course. Uh, my son always gets mad at me. Why do you got to say everybody's a ginger? Uh, we have to stick together, though. Um, he's amazing. And this Jack Alcott playing Harrison, what an actor this kid is. He He's just fantastic. I mean, he is playing... Uh, I think you had said to me, you had sent me a text saying that this there was some of the teenage stuff this episode you were a little bit like, <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> I think everybody, whenever like there's teenagers on a TV show, you're like, uh-oh, what are they, you know. Uh, yeah. But he is like an adult among the teenagers, right? And even when he's talking to Dexter, you see the difference in father and son where this kid is very well-versed in um, just social graces and how to woo people and how to handle himself in tough situations, right? He's just kind of like the anti-Dexter in a way. He, he seems to gra- seems that the ladies like him, the guys are jealous of him. And even though he's not that like hulking or intimidating, he just has a quiet cool about him. Um, that is like it, what I noticed in this is I felt like he was controlling the conversation, you know, like Dexter, like you say, he's kind of fumbling around and the kid is controlling the conversation. But as it develops and their emotions come out, you see that he is a teenager um, and then you see Dexter trying to get it together. There's even a point at which he says, like, just stick to the routine, right? Yeah. He just, yeah. just stick to the routine. Um, but I, I also have to come at you right now with my theory. As you said, I used to have a show, Lost Mythos Theorycast, so I always have a theory. And I wanted to ask okay. you this. I'm excited. Go on. Are you 100% (laughs) sure that this is Harrison? Okay. Um, I am almost sure. And and, and looking at having previewed some of the feedback we've got, you're not the only one to... to be casting doubt okay. <laughs> and, and not being completely sold. And and I, I think I posed the question last week, is is he for real? Um, if he's not, then he's, he's good. Um, I mean, we've seen in terms of, uh, in terms of him being able to navigate 
conversations and and uh, well, I'm, I'm holding back from saying the word manipulate because that's what I was going to say. Dexter does as a as a sociopath um, that they're good at manipulating people, and yeah. and we've seen Dexter well, as as inept he can be at, at delicate situations. Uh, he when he wants to uh, manipulate somebody and charm somebody, he can turn it on. Uh, and and Harrison, as, as you've already pointed out, seems to be quite quite uh, adept at that. Now, is that something he's learned from all the years spent with Hannah, who who had her own issues? Yes. Um, I, I think that, that when you were describing him, the phrase that came to me was emotionally mature. Mm, um, yeah. When you put him alongside the other teenagers that he was with, you know the the jocks were kind of goofing around a bit. Oh yeah, let's smoke a joint and. <laughs> and, and and mess around when we're meant to be searching for for for, for some missing guy uh yeah i, I thought harrison um and that emotional maturity has come from somewhere and as obviously we don't know all the ins and outs of his experiences since he went to argentina what, what exactly he's been through and maybe yeah. I, I i strongly suspect a lot of that will reveal itself as the season goes on to inform us as to um uh, his his current state of mind and and that state of mind is something that might be something that's that's up for debate as well. Um, <laughs> Definitely. So is he real? I th I think probably. Um, is he being completely honest at this point? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. What do I, you think? I I agree with you that there's two ways to look at it. Right? Is he lying about who he is? Like in actuality, his identity, or is he lying about who he is as a person, right? All yeah. we really know is that Hannah died, and then he spent three years kind of looking for Dexter and in and out of foster care, right? He did say yeah. that he had some drug issues to the kids. When he's talked about the drug issues, you know what it made me think of is Dexter once claimed he had some drug issues too, but those weren't drug issues. Right? Like he was killing people. So yeah, is this drug in inverted commas? Yeah, exactly. Like, so what's that about? Um, but the other, you know, so those are the things we know about him and that, that those seem like real and the way he's acting it, they kind of coalesce. Um, but as far as there has to be more because Hannah was nuts. Let's not forget that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like Dexter sent him off to go to live with like a really sane, nice person. You know, she was nuts. And she was totally the type that would tell him who Dexter was. Right? Like I do I would not put that past her at all, based on her behavior in the past that we've seen on this show. Um, but, uh, so I definitely think we're going to find out more about him, but if it's not him, I don't know. Cody would be a little too old, right? So I think Cody will have been, will have been about 11, maybe when the show finished 10 or 11. So okay, well, best, best part of 10 years have passed. So he'd be like 20 now, wouldn't he? Yeah. Or thereabouts. That's, I mean, all I'm saying is that this could be Cody. It could be he is of indeterminate 
I don't know. I mean, the older I get, the worse I am at telling how old anyone is that's younger than me. Yeah. But, and I know that this is TV world, so... I mean, he looks older than a teenager to me already. I thought he looked like he was in his early 20s. Um, so, I mean, who knows? It could be the son of somebody that Dexter offed, right? He's has a, He had a lot of enemies. I mean, there's definitely, he knew about Hannah. Um, and he knew where he sent, where Hannah went, right? But yeah. So how many people would know? Yeah, so there are certain things, but I don't know. I mean, it's Dexter, so I'm just open to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right about uh, the actor, Jack Alcott, though. I thought he was um, – I thought he's done a good job so far. He's not overplayed it. Nope. He's let Michael C. Hall do his thing, and he's kind of reacted or sort of played off him. He's, he's followed his lead, but but not overdoing it. Um just nice and steady, uh, and it—I it, don't know. It, it just makes you wonder: Is he someone who is being mindful of of his emotions? And I don't know. Does that does that add to the suspicion as, as to how cool he is? He, he's giving off an air of resentment and um, anger that that his dad left him. Um, I mean, he's, he's going to have some abandonment issues, isn't he? Yeah, I, I I like I like how he's played it, and I think um, I think we've yeah I think we've kind of summed him up. I, I, the, the emotional maturity is coming through, and and that's that comes from somewhere because not every teenager is like that. Yeah, um, no, definitely. And often you can you can get emotionally mature at an earlier age, earlier age because of your experiences, yeah. uh, which may not all be positive. There is one thing I wanted to point out. There was one kind of break in in his cool demeanor that I found is when Dexter talked. It was later, okay? It was when he and Dexter had the conversation about the letter. And Dexter said something along the lines of, you know, I've done a lot of bad things or something. And then he just kind of like his face changed and he was like, what are you talking about? You're such a great guy. All my memories of you are so good. And that's when I said to myself, is that acting there? Is he is he kind of, are we seeing something different here? Or does he really think he was a great guy? That's the only time where uh, there was a little bit of, hmm, like... Maybe he does think he's a great, like he, he, he kind of convinced me a little bit, but still yeah. it's Dexter. So I'm open to this kid being a total nutcase or not being Harrison at all. Yeah. That, that's, that felt genuine yeah, to me. It did. Yeah. Like he's, he's sought out his dad. Um, obviously he's, he's looking for answers, isn't he? And the thing is with Harrison, we don't know the extent of the trauma he carries. We've obviously just mentioned his his emotional maturity. Uh, Dexter was obviously well. He's, he's he's read this letter, isn't he? Where Dexter was was worried about dark tendencies, and he seemed completely bewildered as to what that could mean. The, the kid's got to have abandonment issues, but what worries me and is is yet to be revealed is what he can remember of what happened to Rita. Yes. Now it's it's uh, it's it's well accepted that. A lot of mental illness can nearly always be traced back to stuff that happened in childhood. 
uh, <laughs> I must admit, I, I expected to get a glimpse of Trinity when we had a brief glimpse of his um, sketchbook when the kids were flicking through it. Uh, there were pictures of people, weren't there? And that that might still happen. Maybe Dexter will find the sketchbook and uh, realise his realises that his son remembers his mother's murder, yeah. like he does with his own mother. I mean, that was. It's interesting. It's there's lots still to be revealed. I think is what yeah. we can how we can summarise it. Yeah, definitely. Because that's I mean that's the real kicker, right, Gareth? Is we can never forget that his biggest fear was that his son would have any experience like his. And he had the same exact experience, you know, yeah. of being yeah. born in blood as, as he says. And then there's the, when he is with the kids, when, after they break into uh, the billionaire's playground or summer camp or whatever it is, and they're talking about his mom and he, he's, they, the the girl says, um, sorry, Audrey says, you know, oh, we she tries to change the subject, and he's like, oh no, that's okay, and then he goes, I'm really cold. I'm gonna go cut some firewood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Avoidance. Yeah, he totally avoids it, and his his face yeah. kind of goes blank too. Um, so I have the feeling that he remember the the at the minimum. That is something he remembers and knows, yeah. right? That they're not talking yeah. about at the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he can't have um any kind of visual memory of what happened, it was such a traumatic yeah. experience. And, and 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 he was he was a baby then, wasn't he? Still a baby. Yeah. Um the emotional trauma could have had some kind of indelible impact on, on his developing mind. Who knows? I, I'm I'm no neurosurgeon or anything like that i'm no expert but uh, it makes it makes you wonder you made me compromise everything about myself that i care about and i hate you for it i shot the wrong person in that trailer you're listening to dissecting Dexter. I shot the wrong person in that trailer. Let's shift topic a little bit. I, w I wanted to talk a, a little bit more about Deb. Um, you, you touched on the subject a little earlier. Um, it was a startling shift this week. Mm -hmm. Their sort of coexistence was more relaxed and had a lived-in feel last week, giving us the impression that Dexter had been seeing her and talking to her for a long time. And then we got her warnings against letting in Harrison. And, and this week she went full on intense, crazy, mad, saying some quite coming out with some quite startling language. Like <laughs> on, on my rewatch, I wrote it down. You emotionally handicapped, crazy fuck. I mean, who that who says that uh, fingers in his mouth, making him, putting the bullet in his mouth. It was really quite a disturbing image of Deb. But of, of course, we know it's not her. And that's what we have to remind ourselves. Um, she re represents, of course, Dexter's, a part of Dexter's um, subconscious and, yes. and certainly at the moment represents his self-loathing. Uh, and we can see why he's got that. Um, she, she represents the part of him that's decided he, he hurts everyone who cares about him, the part of him who didn't want to kill again. 
Um, and she also represents the good in him, I think. And, and it's in a panic now at the prospect of, of, being, of, of bringing mortal danger to his son. Um, Dexter's split, though. Uh, part of him knows from experience what can happen to people he cares about, and he's not wrong. But at the same time, he's been given a chance of, of reconnecting with his own flesh and blood. What, what did you make of uh, the shift this week? I think you used the word, which is startling. And I, I mean, we're just getting used to this, right? And the only thing we have to compare it to is Harry. And that was for so long a voice he seemed to listen to, right? It seemed to be yeah. a voice that was guiding him and helping him. And one that even when he stepped over the line would say things like, it's okay, we can do better next time. Or, you know what I mean? It was um, like a, kind of like a life coach, uh, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> yeah. Serial killer life yeah. coach. This is not that. <laughs> this is a demon that has been awoken. Now, again, we must remember it's 10 years that he's had, perhaps had this voice in his head the, that Deb's been visiting him. And she may have been more like Harry. We're jumping towards like the end of Dexter, right? Yeah. We saw a bit of her in the first episode, but it was right away um, in conflict almost. I guess we got a good maybe the first couple interactions were not as harsh, if I remember correctly. So it's a quicker buildup, but it seems natural to me. Because he is in such crisis now. Look, I mean, not only is his son back, he's a killer again. He's the cop, the sheriff's his girlfriend, right? Like the billionaire. We know there's another B story, which we haven't mentioned yet, of the girl in the hotel who is probably shaping up to be someone that he can face off against. Um, you know, so it it it. I think that they've done a really good job over two episodes of establishing a familiar character role of letting her take that over and then having it become that we are it's very much communicated to the audience that he is in conflict with himself over the decisions that he's making this is not how he had been leading the past 10 years yeah, I think it's it's interesting comparing with Harry. Harry very much was, was obviously part of his conscience, but he was a part of his conscience that was at ease coexisting with the so-called dark passenger. Uh, Deb is much more like the angel on the shoulder and the dark passenger is on the other shoulder dressed as the devil going, kill them all. And, 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 and Deb said, no, no. Um, and, and I think it was visually represented uh, in the dream sequence we got last week where she pops up out of the ice hole and then almost uh, Friday the 13th, like the, um, the this sort of um, ghoul comes up out of the water and pulls her back under. Um, that was um, that was quite interesting to reflect on on, on a repeat viewing. And I, I, I don't think I talked about it on the podcast last week, but that was that was yeah. straight out of Friday the 13th or um, I mean, we've, we've had some quite good horror or a movie imagery. I, I like the, it was quite a haunting image of Deb through the, the stained glass window today. 
tapping the bullet yep. um, today, this week, I mean, tapping the bullet on the glass. And then suddenly the glass shatters and she yells at him and it kind of makes you jump. <laughs> yeah, it did. Because there's, so the there's so much blood and thunder in her voice. Yeah. In the whoa, car too, whoa. when she's yelling at him and then he's like, ah, screaming, yeah. you know, it was, yep. I had to turn the TV down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay, so let's, Let's move on. Um, obviously, the return of Harrison uh, was was a surprise for Dexter and his girlfriend, uh, Police Chief Angela. Um, I thought she took it very well, though, um, not beating him up too much for hiding the fact that he had a son. Um, obviously, we know that he'd have had no need to ever mention it if Harrison hadn't shown up. Um, but I thought she she um, she was very understanding about it. Uh, but coming out of um, the the Angela um, scenes this week, uh, we're, we're a new question as to who is this Iris mm. that Audrey uh, was referring to, um, someone who's obviously who seems to be no longer with us. Uh, what's what's your theory as to who Iris might be? I think Julia's got a lot to hide. Uh, I should say Angela, played by Julia Jones. Um, I think she's got a lot to hide. I think that the reason why she didn't react totally angry um, to Dexter is because it gave her an opportunity to, free, like, kind of a free chance to, <laughs> to mention, mm. oh, by the way, Audrey's not my kid. And then this Iris thing and... She also says at another point when she is talking to Dexter about did she ever try to find Audrey's mother, she says, I spent my whole adult life looking for lost women. I'm not going to try to find one that abandoned their own kid, right? So what does that mean, I spent my adult life looking for lost women? Like, I know you're a police officer, but that's not your only job. You know what I'm saying? That seemed yeah. rather specific. So is Iris her kid? Is we know that there are a, there are a group of missing girls in this area, and the Native American gentleman mentioned that too, right? Like when our girls go missing, you say runaways come home eventually, right? Um, yeah. So there is definitely. You know, man, this is the typical small town. Everybody's got a secret, right? And uh, and and that's what Dexter, this is what, like Deb says, you make everyone around you crazy or whatever, but really it's kind of like Dexter lifts. It's like him finding the blood trails and whatnot, right? He, find, he just kind of finds the evidence and it, his evidence the way he's so really so truthful a lot of times kind of brings it to light. So I thought their whole conversation on the couch and everything was great. Um, I think she's doing a great job. She's also, he, you know, he never fails to find attractive women. It's Dexter, right? Um, yeah. She's very beautiful <laughs> as is her daughter. And so Dexter Jr. Harrison's also trying to get the hook up. But um, yeah, I think Angela's got a lot to hide. Yeah, I, 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 my first thought was, is Iris her real daughter, yeah. who maybe went missing, 
in this town. So maybe she is um, a, a, an early victim of whoever's behind all this, all these missing girls. I'm going to say sister. Mm. I'm going to yeah, say maybe. sister. That's what I'm going to say. Maybe, yeah. maybe Audrey is really her niece or something, you know? Because when Dexter said, oh, you adopted her, she was like, yeah. I don't know that legally she's the mommy. You know what I'm saying? Would yeah, would would Audrey refer to her as Iris though, or Mum? If she was Iris's daughter. No, well, maybe she was very young when she disappeared. Yeah. She got in trouble yeah. when she was young. That seems like who this person's going after, right? Young women on the run or as we see with yeah. the girl in the hotel room, there's a kind of an MO forming here. Yeah, that was that was quite um, unsettling. That that poor girl in the, uh, the the motel room, especially when she saw the words written on the uh, the camera, "You're already dead." That was yeah. horrible. Obviously, whoever's behind this is someone who likes to uh, psychologically torment their victims, and and she does suffer re really ill from the what I presume is drugged champagne. Uh, and then compounded, she realizes there's no door handle uh, and, and the very quickly rising panic. Um, do you th presume that it's Clancy Brown watching oh. on the laptop? Oh. <laughs> That's a it's getting straight to it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, I was looking for those clues, but you know what? I mean, he is... I mean, it's Clancy Brown. He pops up at the end too, right? We know he is not obviously not a good dad because <laughs> his son is horrible, right? Yeah. So it's not a good advert. How, exactly. Like, how far does the apple fall from the tree in this case? But I kind of hope there's like another brother, you know, like that he uh, is hiding or something like that. I think that that would be a little a little cool, maybe that he doesn't know. But if it is him, I'm cool with it, you know? But I kind yeah, of feel like the way, it might be once removed. Yeah. Because the way it's presented, it, it's like, ooh, it's a mystery. There's someone watching. Who could it be? And and obviously it's an older man. And, and we've met two of them, haven't we? We've met uh, the Marshal from Lost... Ed, Edward Olson yep. uh, and, uh, and and Kirk Coldwell himself, who are both uh, grey-haired older men, um, and, and a close-up of their eye could be, you know, it could be quite tricky to discern who is who. I mean, for my money, it looked more like Clancy Brown, uh, but we'll see whether that would be too obvious. This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It helps me control the chaos. Yeah, so this um, this is Edward Olson, who uh, we say is played by um, oh, what's the guy's the actor's name? Frederick Frederick something. He was he was the marshal in Lost, wasn't he? Um, I, I I just wonder because he's similar age to Clancy Brown, whether he's been introduced to make it less clear that Kurt Caldwell's cook. Clear. Kurt Caldwell is the one abducting those girls. Um, 
Yeah, I, I yeah, it seems more like Clancy Brown to me, but both uh, seem to be wealthy, wealthy people. So they either could have the resources to set up a motel or a hotel for uh, nefarious purposes. Yeah, it, it is um, strange, isn't it, that there's the two. You're right. It made me. I had another theory, if you want to hear it. Sure. Okay. Perhaps Dexter will happen upon a larger conspiracy of people like rich guys like this that are taking these women and this hotel or whatever is like a game that they've set up. It's almost like a rich man's game and they're all involved in it. And they abuse and murder these young women for their own sick sociopathic pleasure. Hostel. Kind of a hostel thing. Yes. Where rich people can pay yep. uh, to come out here and um, murder somebody. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe Caldwell is, is the one organizing it and Edward Olsen is a customer. Yeah, or they're both involved or it's like some secret society or something. Because I was thinking about that. Like, why is... Because in the beginning... Gareth, didn't you think that it would end up that Clancy Brown was uh, the the uh, I, when the, he was introduced in the first episode? I was like, wait, I thought Clancy Brown was going to be the billionaire big shot in the town, right? Like it kind of confused yeah, we, me. Yeah, we didn't meet him until this episode, did we? And at the end of episode two, yeah. but we did meet Edward Olsen last week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, called uh, Kurt Caldwell was was notable by his absence because Clancy Brown was was part of the preseason publicity. This this big uh, exactly uh, big name they'd got uh, cast in in the season. Um, and, and as we know from previous Dexter seasons, they they usually cast a big name as as um, or a recognisable name as as the big bad, don't they? Yeah, they don't just uh, get someone in for a, for a bit part thought uh caldwell when he did show up uh, if he does turn out to be uh the big bad i, I thought he um he presented as a, a a nice enough man i mean we we, we know he's wealthy uh and, and and matt's uh rant on the kill table last week suggested that his dad's capable of unleashing hell on anyone who hurt him but he doesn't march up shouting the odds and barking orders at everybody does he he's, he's pretty calm but also understandably a concerned parent yeah definitely and you know what again it's weird he says a lot of the same things that the other dude says to angela i've paid for this in this town i supported your people right what like come support me now like his rallying cry is based upon the financial support and how he's like, I employ most of you people, right? So it is rather strange. Like they do seem very similar to have those scenes. Cause honestly, when Angelo went to, what is the other gentleman's, uh, do we, what's his name in the show? Edward Olson. Okay. Olson. When she yeah. goes to, when Angela goes to meet Olson earlier in the episode, I thought it was going to be the introduction of Clancy Brown that she was going to go and and go visit the dad, right? 
But yeah. it turns out that we see Olsen again. Why do we see him again? Basically just so he can give this speech about how much, how hurt he is and how much he supported the community and give his helicopter, right? Yeah. yeah. So it seems like a lot of what he was just basically, they were reiterating this same information. Like they, they do seem kind of like, there's like a twinning that's going on with those two characters. Yeah, which lines up with what you're suggesting there, that they could both be involved mm-hmm. uh, to a greater or lesser degree. Yeah, you could be right. We shall see. Yeah, indeed. Is there anything else that you want to uh, bring up about the episode? Oh, gosh. Um I what did you think of Dexter involving Harrison in the kind of like immediately using him as a decoy? <laughs> is that is that is that typical Dexter? But Harrison Harrison played along, didn't he? he did his, yeah, he did it, his bit it for reminds whatever reason, me of what, but he did it. Yeah, right. And it reminds me of when he used to take him with him. Right? When he was a baby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. He was, oh, what a great dad. He was just like, uh, he was just, he just says to him, I thought it was funny. He's like, you can drive that thing, right? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I can drive it. He's like, well, I have to stay here. And he doesn't say to him, why do you have to stay here? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. we, <laughs> we know where it is. Like, we, uh, there's we didn't set a mark you staying here is not going to let me know where it is right like i don't know or we could have dropped this cell phone or something right with a ping but it didn't it the way he went along with that was another kind of weird like he so quickly kind of i think and the way he he seemed to distract the guy with the um the drone too on purpose yeah. yeah, I mean the guy uh, Teddy, the the cop who was yeah. controlling the the drone. It sounds like he's only been on the job a couple of weeks. Um, I, I only picked that up on the second viewing. There was a, a, a remark from one of the other cops that he was. I think he's he's quite an, a, a a newbie, shall we say? Um, so maybe he's just he's just crap at controlling a drone. I mean, I, I've had a go, and the, the, I don't find it easy. Yeah, they're hard, <laughs> but they did. For, there was a very purposeful shot of Harrison talking to him and saying, like, do you have this specification or whatever, you know, and kind of like distracting him a little bit. Like, it just seemed to me that that whole sequence of events, Harrison was a little more keen to what was going on and that his father was kind of hiding something. I wouldn't be surprised if may, maybe that's another thing we hadn't talked about is had Harrison, before he got there, like, you know, uh, Dexter snuck up on him, had he not found evidence of what was going on already? I think, actually, thinking back to last week, uh, when Dexter got the sense that he was being watched, yeah. uh, he did see someone watching him in the woods, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he couldn't couldn't catch him, but he saw footprints, so he knew for definite someone had been there. Maybe Harrison yeah. saw what happened. With yep. with Matt and the deer, maybe he saw that, so he knew that Dexter was um, trying to 
cover his tracks. Yeah, it seemed the whole series, like the whole sequence of events seemed very, very much like Harrison knew more and was helping out Dexter throughout. Very like didn't need to be asked twice. Yeah. And of course, Dexter had, had, had been sloppy, hadn't he? He was cleaning up the blood on the ground, and there was a lot more than um, we we saw last week. Yep. Uh, and I I did sort of roll my eyes a bit at him, just trying to drive over the the drops that were in the snow on the road, uh, trying to prevent them being seen. <laughs> um, but I thought if you drive over a splat of something on the top of some fresh snow, yeah. It's not going to erase it, no, is it? You're going to sort of firm not. it in, but someone might who who knows what they're looking for might yeah. still see it. It seemed like a poor effort when the stakes are so high. Yes, uh, and I guess for Dexter, having Harrison sat next to him was getting in the way a bit of him being as thorough as he would want to be. And of course, time was was against him because the police were in the area. Yep. Um, so it's 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 difficult. But like we said last week, he's he's rusty, isn't he? Yeah, he he seems to have made some mistakes. Yeah, you know, he, and uh, and and we'll see if the renewed search turns anything up. That is Indeed. dangerous for him, you know. Indeed, we shall. Um, shall we get into some listener feedback and see what some of the uh, some of the listeners out there thought about the episode? And um, I'm sure there'll be some talking points coming out of these listener feedback firstly i've got an email from israel uh shay has written in to say uh i watched the series uh way back wasn't sure i wasn't aware of the podcast world at all a few months ago i rewatched the whole series and thought about searching for some podcasts and then i ran into yours i listened to many of your episodes from season five onwards uh, it's really great to have good podcasts alongside a good series. So thanks for the podcast and all the hard work you put into it. Thank you. They go on to say, I'm happy that Dexter is back, but I was a bit cautious about this renewal. In general, I liked what we saw so far. Here are a few things. The opening scene of episode one in the snow was great. Even though it's a cliche having this my peaceful, wonderful life that we saw in season openers many times before. And we know it's going to break very soon. I really hope that they will have a new morning routine opening sequence, although you might argue that the first five minutes were exactly that, the new daily routine. Uh, the Deb and Dex dynamic is so wonderful to watch this season. Looks to me that both had raised up their acting skills. Ghost Deb seems to have a more frightening face at times, and the whole show seems to go a bit more to the horror genre. Is it only me noticing how much Harrison looks like Zach Hamilton from season eight? Is that a coincidence? Mm. Many names in the new series refer to people from the original series. Becca, who was Trinity's daughter. Zach, Zach Hamilton. Uh, Scott, the kid that Trinity kidnapped. Brian, Ramon, uh, Ramon, the guy he met at the bar, Miguel Prado's brother. Fred from the fishing store. Um and then Fred Bowman, Freebo from season three. Even Esther is very close to Asta. <coughs> Excuse me. Drying up. Hang on. Oh, sorry. <coughs> Dying here. <laughs> it's cool, man. Take a drink of water. Oh, dear. Sorry about that. <clears throat> it's fine. All right. Okay. Uh, where did I get to? <clears throat> I think I'm back. 
Am I back? The names. I think you're the right. names. Yeah. Uh, uh, Angela to Angel. Uh, now we have Vincent the goat. I guess it's just an Easter egg with no significant meaning, but nice to watch. Dexter has developed a taste in beers over the years. He ordered IPA, a complicated type of beer. When in Miami, they always look to have some generic lager. Uh, and then they go on to say about the music and, and missing the uh, iconic soundtrack of the original series. In Israel, I saw four to five reviews for the series in the media and all were negative. On the other hand, most fans seem to like the first two episodes. I know the reporters got the first four for their reviews, so I wonder if we are going to be negative by episode four. I hope not. It was very satisfying to see Dex preparing a kill room again. As in the past, it makes me think what happened to me that I, I cheer for a killer. They still have some bad writing or plot holes, like Dexter destroying the blood trail with his RTV. Also, for a guy that is clean for 10 years, he lost the urge. He, he lost himself to the urge too fast, in my view. The series ending was about how he can't do both, serial killing and having a family. If he got over the dark passenger for so long, why didn't he bring Hannah and Harrison to Iron Lake to live happily ever after? Well, thank you for that email. Um, in answer to your last question, I, I think he... He reached the decision, didn't he, that he couldn't have both and that he hurt everybody he cared about, uh, no matter how hard he tried. <clears throat> and his solution was just to um, just to cut the cord. Wow, what a great email. A lot of great points there. Um, first off, I did notice that Harrison looks like, what was that dude's name, Zach? Yes, the young yeah, from kid. the final season. He, was, yeah. he became kind of a protege, didn't he? Yep, the photographer. Um, yes. Right? Yes, I totally noticed that. And that was, one of the re that was one of the first things that led me to think maybe it's not him. Maybe it's like, I, I couldn't be his kid, but like, you know what I mean? I was like, maybe it's this or that. I don't know. I just started thinking that way. The names, I think, is great. I think that that is um, a cool touch and a literary touch, right? Which is something that we've wanted back in Dexter. Um, yeah, a lot of great points there. Great email. Yeah, yeah. I think that they're just, like they say, they're just, just Easter eggs in the case of the names. I'm sure there'll be more before the season's out. Probably. But yeah. I think that's also, I do like the kind of literariness of that. And um, maybe it just also shows whatever Dexter does, you know, no matter they, they always say you can't move to get away from your problems, right? Like your problems follow you. If you move, like a lot of people are like, I'm going to go to a new place. I'm going to be a different person. No, you're still the same person. You're just in a different place, you know? Um, yeah, so that's true. You want me to get into the next email? Yes. Yes, please do. All right, this is from Mike Lanich in PA, baby. So we now know how Harrison managed to track down Dexter, and it's pretty close to our theory in the preview episode. Dexter did manage to get a letter to Hannah. Hannah also got sick and died, which we also thought was likely. This episode felt kind of like a solid episode of Dexter. It wasn't bad, 
but it wasn't particularly great either. Dexter was sloppy with leaving blood in multiple locations, and while I understand that he has been out of practice, the more I think about it, the less likely it feels as though he would have left it there to begin with. And of course, he has to rush around to stay just ahead of the now in camp police at his cabin. I love seeing Deb lashing out at Dexter. It's now apparent that the quiet, mournful Deb from last week was his dark passenger conscious, while this week's version is similar to someone's holding flashing warning signs that you are going the wrong way down a one-way street. Definitely, we talked about that. It's also the first time we have seen it physically interact with Dexter by attacking him from behind and shoving the bullet into his mouth. That's an interesting point. Um, Finally saw Clancy Brown. Yay. But the more I think about it, I wonder just how long this storyline is going to take. Something tells me we change locations at the end of episode six or seven. Harrison mentioned that he thought the dead deer was kind of cool, which had warning signs going off in my head. He also said he had a drug problem a couple years ago. Aha, see? Is that a real mm. drug problem, or is it one that he picked up from Hannah? Oh, we didn't think of that because she drugged people. A drug problem, right? I get it. I like yeah. that. Yep. Um, I think there is far more going on with Harrison's backstory than he's letting on. Despite not knowing whether or not he's going to stick around, he's awfully cavalier about letting information slip about Dexter that it makes me wonder how angry he is with his father. That is a good point. Enough to completely blow up his life? Enough to want to insinuate himself into this world and kill him like Dexter did in the past with his adversaries? Uh-oh. So maybe the big bad is Harrison. Dum-da-dum. Some general thoughts. Did Harrison track down Aster and Cody? That's what I'm talking about. What's up with them? Could he be running from crimes he committed while staying with foster families? Maybe one ended up dead. Oy. I have a thought about those quick peeks into the episode and how it doesn't make much sense. Oh, you mentioned this. He's, re- he's referring to how there's not really a credit sequence. They're showing us the title, but then they also show us these fast clips of what's going to happen. Right? Yes. And you were hoping they eliminated that, but they did it again this episode. Yeah. It's going to be a feature, isn't it? I think yeah. we're stuck with it. I think we are. Well, he continues, I have a theory that might pertain to the end of the season. Those, These feel like the quick shards of memory that hit you as you die. They have a blue filter and it lasts all of five to ten seconds. Could this be the images Dexter is seeing as he dies by lethal injection like Clyde Phillips mentioned years ago? It's the only thing that makes sense having them there in the first place. I don't know if it's the only thing, uh, but that is a possibility there. I kind of dig that. I feel like they're more, what do they say, uh, exegete like they're outside of they're like more of a credit thing i I didn't get the feeling that someone's experiencing those but i like that idea it's it's a novel idea i mean it's it's it seems to me uh to serve a this week on dexter kind of purpose yeah uh i i don't need it (laughs) as i made it clear last week (laughs) get rid of it (laughs) i agree 
I agree. That was a good point about Harrison. Um, it's not something that I had considered until it was brought up in feedback this week that maybe he's running from crimes uh, or a crime that he committed um, wherever he, he was before. Uh, yeah, it's interesting about what Harrison may have already done. Has he already killed someone, even if it was just by accident? I had a similar theory from uh, another listener, Vicky Blissett, who actually lives about a two-minute walk from my house. Um, <laughs> she suggests that Harrison Harrison is the new blood, and he may have even killed Hannah as a mercy killing, like Dexter did in season three with Camilla. So there's a theory. I, I think it likely that Harrison will end up showing some darkness. But as Dex has already said, he he will try to do a better job of guiding him than Harry did. But what what do you think? Harrison is the new blood. Um, I've definitely considered that. I've definitely thought about, especially when you all were doing preview, listening to um, other podcasts thinking about did uh michael c hall just come back for this season and then they're gonna like hand the show off to his son you know um that possibility and then maybe he appears as like a harry slash deb ghost a little bit right to start yeah. us off i've considered that too i mean just kind of outside of the realm of the show itself you know, all of these Showtime, HBO, every, everything's about the streaming service now, right? And one of the reasons why I had read that Dexter was revived is because so many people still watched it. It was on, like, Netflix, and, and the Showtime had it too, right? So, it like, over the, um, even before, I should say, the pandemic and whatnot, a lot of people were watching it. So I could see them wanting to do that. But I also feel like Dexter is, you know, that show wouldn't be Dexter. Like, he's Dexter, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would be up for it, though. I mean, I like I said, I love this kid. I think he's a. I think he's doing a freaking knockout job right now. And if it yeah. does end up that this is Dexter's swan song, that's what we're watching, um, you know, I'll give the show a shot. Who knows? I because yeah, I like I like this kid. I I just he you know Dexter was always he's not so lovable yet though. This kid, you know, like Dexter's lovable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do do we really want Dexter the next generation? <laughs> I I don't, <clears throat> I don't know. But like you say, if they're looking for future content for a streaming service, then yeah, they're going to milk their existing properties, aren't they? They sure are. With with, with an established audience. Okay, let's go on to uh, yeah. Thanks for that, Mike. Good to hear from you. Um, moving on to uh, an, another email now from Luke Farmer, who says, "I thought this was a funny episode. Really, it seemed lots happened without necessarily moving the storyline or plot along. I thought the opening scene with Dexter and Harrison was brilliantly acted, and the line 'You've got big' is so typical of Dexter's social ineptness." I did think the explanation as to how Harrison found Dexter was pretty vague and a bit disappointing, really. I feel like after eight years, they could have done better than I found a picture picture on Instagram. It actually makes me wonder if this is the truth. Seems a little coincidental that Harrison had just looked at the bowling picture he seemed to be referencing. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I, I also thought they might explore Dexter's relation to Hannah's 
reaction to Hannah's death a little more, and perhaps they will over the coming episodes. But consider, considering this is the woman he chose above all else, it felt quite brief. Whilst I completely get the Deb thing, I still hate it. She seems almost demonic. Stuffing a bullet in Dexter's mouth was quite a quite a lot. Seeing her in this light is a bit exorcism of Emily Rose-ish. I know that sounds like a moan, but it's not. Overall, a good episode, which has set the scene nicely and given us lots to look forward to. Thanks, Luke. Yeah, we've we've talked about the uh, the, the turn of of, of Deb's. Um, well, this is Deb in inverted commas, isn't it? Um, in in how she's um, how she's reacting to what's going on, uh, and I think you used the word demonic earlier, Axel. Um, but that's a, that's interesting about the. Um, slightly muted reaction to Hannah's death from Dexter to say that he was meant to be in love with her uh, and trusted her enough uh, to let his son go with her. Um, his reaction was almost a, oh, kind of thing, and then moving on with the conversation yeah, uh, with that's... no further uh, repercussions or, or reference to it. It was a bit, what's the word, perfunctory? Is that the word? Yeah, but you know what? That was okay with me, though. I mean, it had been 10 years. It's Dexter after all. Um, I think he's. it's kind of a lot coming at you. He's not exactly like, you know, this isn't, you know, he's not very emotional. I mean, he is actually very emotional. But he. it's it's that, I think that's, that actually seemed very in keeping for me. But I think, you know, I mean, it's been a long time. You know what I mean? Like, you you have to kind of let, you would have thought he would have, in many ways, let go anyway. And actually, I always thought Lumen was his true love, not Hannah. But that's just me. It'll be a podcast topic all of its own <laughs> right there. <laughs> I loved Lumen. I thought that Lumen was, like, could have, that was, I like that storyline, actually. But um, yeah, it definitely had um, it, it did it did have value. It, it was it wasn't the most popular season of Dexter, but there was no. some interesting relationship stuff going on there. Yes. Um, yeah. And the but, way but she she moved on and, and he didn't. Yeah, exactly. Or she was able to. Yep. Yep. That's what I mean. Like that was the, sh the kind of ship that got away that that's why I, I always felt that way. And maybe the the now that we have back the original uh writer we'll see uh more of a reaction to kind of the character of Hannah right like like i'm saying i don't think she was not a sane human <laughs> like so the fact that Harrison would be fun. like that was not a good choice that he made. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. didn't, I didn't, in the and in the rewatch too. When I was watching, I was like, this is a not a the best choice. You know, I think if anything, Dexter would have preferred an end where he dies or is has to, you know, pay for what he's done, but um, Deb takes the kid. You know. And I think that yeah. it, that's something that I thought would be more healthy than Hannah. I mean, she was a poisoner, a murderer. She was crazy. I I didn't think, and it and it's not like she had some great, um, you know, 
some great redemption before that occurred, right? I didn't feel like to me. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, thanks again, Luke. Something awful about you, Morgan. I should have seen it before. The fake smile, the donuts. You don't even walk like a normal person. You glide like a fucking lizard on ice. It's all a fucking act. And I ain't mine. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. You are one creep, motherfucker. Right, so I shall... I'll play the first voicemail. This is from Kim Shang in... I think she's in Las Vegas. So uh, let's see if we can hear Kim. Take it away, Kim. And we're back. It's nice to hear your voice again, Gare. I used to listen to your podcast after all the episodes, back when the show was live. I even started calling in in season six, and I was somehow shocked to hear my own voice and also disagree with most of the stuff that I proposed back then. But anyway, here we go with the new season. I wanted to call in last week, but that's okay. I was going to talk about how after Dexter killed Matt and there was blood out in the snow, I thought it was going to be this clever turnaround of things where it was going to be that we think Dexter made a mistake, but nope, he was just trying to make it feasible, that excuse that he gave to his cop girlfriend that uh, Fox got loose in the hen house or something, and he was trying to make that match up. But this week, prove that wrong. Nope, 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 nope. He's just rusty, which I guess is understandable. As for Harrison, I did, I'm still kind of wondering if he is actually Harrison. Not quite sure. I know I'm not a parent, and people are saying a parent would recognize their, their kids, but I can't remember currently what the true crime story is, but there was actually a kid that had disappeared. And then some kid came back claiming he was that kid years later. And the kid wasn't even the same race as the original kid that was reported missing, but the mom accepted him anyway because she missed her son. And guilt and crazy things and sadness and longing might make you see things that you normally, you know, would be more keen on, but you're desperate. Who knows? I could be wrong. Hmm kind of hoping to be wrong who knows and also hannah and cancer is that just an easy way out for the show and they're just going to sweep that under the rug or that's just going to be a story for this or is there something more involved i'm not sure if harrison had to do with it but maybe there's more to that story or they just gave hannah the shaft okay i don't know i never was a huge fan of her whatever and as for the girl in the hotel room i don't know who's doing that yet i don't think it's Kurt as Matt's dad. That'd just be too easy, but sometimes this show just goes for the easy thing. I was thinking it was the older, older guy that Angela was in in his house asking for his, uh, his, uh, I guess, his plane or helicopter so that they can use it for the search. Maybe it's that guy. That's what it was looking like to me, but I'm just frightened for her and wondering where that storyline goes. And also... When Harrison was hanging out with Angela's daughter, and it came out that that that's not Angela's biological daughter, I was like, no, no, can we not do the whole like uh, step sibling possibility thing again? I can't deal with that. I've already had enough hearing people talking about how Angela looks like Deb after Dexter dated all these blondes. I'm I'm just over that whole thing. Let's not go there. Anyway, looking forward to calling in and talking about theories. Good to hear from you again, Gareth. 
Thanks, Kim. That was great. And uh, some some very good points coming up there. It's funny you mentioned about Angela reminding you of Deb because my wife actually thought the same thing. I don't know if that occurred to you at all, Axel. Um, no, I, I mean, maybe, I don't know. They are kind of skinny, I guess, but not, nah, I don't know. Maybe not, not too much. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it sounds like Kim is also, uh, uh undecided as to whether Harrison is, is yeah. genuine or not. And, yeah. and doesn't seem to uh, completely believe the uh, the cancer story with Hannah. Mm. Who knows? It sounds like there's various theories going around about whether did Harrison have a hand in, in Hannah's death? Was it a mercy killing? Uh, did he murder her? <laughs> did he just outright murder her? Who knows? Uh, I think the jury's still out, but there's a lot more to, to Harrison uh, still to be revealed, I think. Yeah. I'm... I'm... I am happy to find out that I'm not alone, but I'm not surprised because, like I said, if you're a fan of Dexter and you watched all the seasons of this show, you know, as she was saying in the voicemail, there's certain things that they might do again. You know what I mean? Like there's certain tropes that uh, this kind of story has. So I think it's totally possible and also, it's kind of fun. You know what I mean? Like, I'd like even to see a flashback with them, right? Like, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, thanks again, Kim, and, and thanks again for um, becoming a patron. Uh, right, next uh, next voicemail now is from Chris in Scotland. Let's, let's hear what Chris has to say. Gareth, we have to talk. Something... You don't want to hear from your doctor or your wife. Luckily for you, you want to hear from your dissecting Dexter listeners. It's Chris here from Scotland. So much to dissect this week. Thought the pacing was much better. Still slow, but building up really nicely. Going to start off with some of the things I didn't like because there's more that I did like. I want to get it over and out of the way early rather than linger on it towards the end. I was a little bit disappointed in the amount of sort of teen drama with Harrison and Angela's daughter and their friends. It didn't um, last too long, but I hope that we don't get a lot of that this season. But I fear we may be getting more than I personally would like. Um, sticking with Harrison, I think it was really interesting um, in lots of different ways. Um, thinking about his past, if we talk about him um, breaking down the lock and his interaction with the animals and how he mentioned that he was cool with seeing the dead stag from last week. I thought it was interesting. I don't think we can lean one way or another with regards to whether or not he has his own dark passenger. Um, he mentioned, obviously, that Hannah had died of cancer. Do we believe him? Did she die of cancer? Could it be that Hannah maybe, maybe met her a grisly end at the hands of Harrison? I don't think so, but it's something maybe worth, worth thinking about. As I said before, lots to discuss this week. I don't want to leave a massive voicemail because I know there's lots of other listeners who do so. A couple of other points I wanted to raise. I wonder if anybody else has noticed how similar Angela is to Deb. 
just with the looks and some of the things that she does, the way she plays with her hair and some of the looks that she gives Dexter, or Jim, should we call him. And I also thought that leads quite nicely on to Deb um, and how thoroughly horrible and mean she was this um, episode. Obviously, it's not the Deb that we know. It's the inner turmoil that Dexter's feeling and it just shows how much he is tormenting himself. And I think that's really smart writing um, because he would be doing that. He's obviously still so cut up about what happened um, in the previous um, season with regards to Deb and how um, he played such a big part in this. I had an interesting chat with um, my friends about Dexter, um, about episode one, and how we let out an audible clap or moment of ecstasy when his inner monologue returned and he finally decided that he was going to kill Matt. What does that say about us as an audience? I think I just think it's strange to um, to think about how we root for this serial killer. Um, I'm a school teacher and I'm paying homage to you, Gareth, today as I'm in my mobile studio and as I didn't feel it was very appropriate to talk about this within the school walls. A um, couple of other thoughts just to wrap up. As I said, this is getting a bit longer than I'd expected it to, but as I said, there's much more to discuss and dissect this week. We know from the Dexter Wrap-Up podcast that there will be a returning cast member, a deceased cast member. Now, I'm not going to spoil it, just in case some of your other listeners don't know who it is. But I'm really interested to see whether or not that's a flashback or whether that's, that's inside Dexter's head. Well, be really interesting, but it got me thinking, who else would we like to see? Is it plausible that we could see Batista or Masuka or even Matthews? Could Matthews have decided to go hunting since he's retired and it seems like a rich person's thing to do? Maybe he got a good retirement from Miami Metro. Is that something that would be feasible? I thought it was interesting to think about and maybe it's something you could discuss further or some of your other listeners might want to, to add to that. And, and just ending on the girl in the room, is it too obvious that it's Clancy Brown's character? Or even, I think his name is, um, is it maybe Edward Olsen? I might be getting that wrong. Um, the Marshal from Lost. Is it too obvious that it's one of those? Surely has to be, right? I'm just not sure. I found myself pausing the close-up of the eyes to see if I could work out who it was, and I'm none the wiser. But that is shaping up nicely. The mystery is unfolding slower than maybe some people would like, but I think it's perfectly paced. And it was really quite chilling when the girl found the, the hidden camera and it said, you're already dead. I thought that was quite a shocking moment. I will stop there and just say thank you very much for all your work, as always. Thanks, Chris. That was a really great uh, and thoughtful voicemail there. Plenty of good points, um, some of which we have uh, already discussed on the podcast, so I guess we don't need to to retread that. But you, you bring up about a returning character. Um, I, I, I'm inclined not to, uh, like you, uh, not spoil who that is going to be. Uh, although if you've if you've listened to the Dexter Wrap Up podcast, you will already know. Um, but is there anyone else that we would like to see? Uh, I think we talked about this a bit on the the preview podcast earlier in the year. But I'll I'll 
throw it to you, Axel. Is there anyone from the original series that you would like to see coming back uh, and perhaps anyone who realistically could show up? Ah, man. You know, uh, I'm going to go against the grain here and I'm going to say no one. I I don't need to see that. I'm okay that he moved on and that we won't see other people. Because once you start with one person, I'd like to see them all, and then you're just doing the same show again. So I'm going to have to, I'm gonna go against the grain. I'm going to say nobody. Um, but I am going to say one thing. First of all, that was a little disappointing email because he did not say see you in the next life, brother, at the end of it. So He did last week. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. You, I was waiting for it the whole time. The accent is amazing. Yeah, um, I love it. It was like Desmond was with us just I for a know. moment. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. But I have to yeah. say, I'm getting on this Deb is Angela thing now. The, when he said the hair the, and the mo, I, I said, oh, okay, wait. Uh, and then it led me to a, a very, uh, whenever you're bringing up theories, you always got to bring up the craziest theory of all, which is this, Okay. The entire season is in his head, and he is in the electric chair. They caught him. And mm-hmm. in the last episode, that's what's going to happen. This is like his fantasy. But that's never going to happen because they want to continue the show. But um, okay. uh, <laughs> so, I don't... So you're, so you're buying into Mike's theory uh, of these of these little flashes we get. Of, of, of images yeah. um, instead of the title yeah, I, sequence. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. I th- I don't. I guess, you know what? It makes sense that they might kind of, you know, it is, again, literary, right? To kind of cast someone who, and even instruct her, like, hey, do a little Deb here. You know what I'm saying? Um, that might be something that they're doing on purpose, but it didn't occur to me before I heard it. But now I'm starting to think about it. I mean, I guess I guess Deb and Dexter shippers. Um, yeah. I, I can't imagine there are many of them out there, but <laughs> uh, maybe they'll be they'll be pleased by this notion. But as as we'll remember from the original series, Dexter was never in the slightest bit remotely uh, romantically interested in his sister. <laughs> <laughs> and and I I blame the psychiatrist for putting the idea into Deb's head to begin with, yeah. uh, and we'll and we'll leave that topic um, there. I think. Um, <laughs> let's <laughs> thanks again, Chris. Uh, let's let's go on to the next voicemail. Uh, this is our good friend uh, Travis. Hey, Gareth. This is Travis. And I see some people online, maybe some of your listeners. Uh, are getting a little annoyed with Deb. I mean, I can understand Dexter's image of her and her in his mind. Irritating. She brays. She laughs. But Deb's right. Dexter is weak-willed and he's selfish. This whole self-exile, the whole pretext to this show is he's supposed to be in self-exile punishing himself for being such a bad boy and yet here he is getting so ingratiated with this community right he's supposed to feel like everything everybody he gets close to gets hurt right so he doesn't need to get close to anybody and you know being a, a loner in miami 
having a job as a police officer, maybe that does look a little weird. You want to blend in. But, man, you could be a weirdo loner out in the woods and no one really cares. They mind your business. But you just can't leave it at that. He has to get ingratiated in this community. He's got to have sex with a woman and make friends and go dancing. Very unnecessary if, if, if the whole idea is he's supposed to be punishing himself. Right? I think it's very uh, – shows a lack of conviction on his part. Certainly this week when we find out apparently the Hannah – or I'm sorry, Harrison was able to find Dexter on account of Dexter wrote Hannah a letter. What? Now, you know, I'm not crazy about that explanation. Last week I had mentioned I didn't like or I couldn't think of any explanation for – a good explanation for why Harrison could find Dexter. And the explanation is they kind of just sort of retconned the – the end of the series the dexter's final decision to fake his death and everything and they just decided like oh well no he didn't really fake his death he wrote hannah a letter to let her know that he wasn't really dead which begs the question why did he even fake his death to begin with was was his whole fake death not entirely for hannah and harrison's sake it's not like he was being manhunted by miami metro or the fbi despite the fact in season eight at the end of season eight dexter killed somebody on camera yeah, it seemed pretty clear he was just going to get away with it. Angel didn't mind letting him walk away on that. But he faked his death so Harrison and Hannah, he could never hurt them. They, you know, I can't be close to them, and they won't look for me if they think I'm dead. That was entirely the reason why he faked his death. So why the H did he write her a letter? Because he's weak. And I like that Deb points that out. Well, I don't like that that was the explanation, but that is the explanation, and we it just follows that if that's what we're going with. Dexter's weak, man. Yeah, he is sort of uh, uh, spineless in a way. Um, but now, see, I don't know when, when we have Deb kind of antagonizing him the way we have. I don't know how intentional it is on the writer's part to how much they really believe Dexter is all these bad things, Deb says, that Dexter is bad for Harrison. Dexter always hurts people and he doesn't deserve this and that. I Part of me feels like the writers actually really think, no, 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 Dexter's just being hard on himself. Dexter is just really a big soft baby and he deserves love and all that stuff, right? And I part of me says this because I listened to the New Blood podcasts leading up to the to the series and in that, in the very, very first one, Scott and was talking with with Clyde and some other writer, and they had mentioned previously that they're like, yeah, in the writers' room we often compare Batman to Dexter, or rather they compare Dexter to Batman. And I think the co-host out on that episode had said something like, well, in many ways Dexter is more heroic than Batman. What? And Scott just let her say that. What? Batman is a fantasy character created to sell children bubblegum in the 1930s. And I mean, and this is your touchstone for your like prestige cable drama about the duality of humanity and stuff. That's why I don't know where the writers really sit. Do they really think Dexter is a good guy who deserves love? Cause I don't, I, yeah, he does hurt people. He's near and he apparently isn't self-aware enough or maybe part of him is his part of him is if Deb is talking shit to him all the time, but I'm just really curious where the writers are going to go with this. All right, that's long enough for this week. See you next time. <laughs> Thanks, Travis. <laughs> I love it. He's...
he yeah he he, he like he courts controversy uh, Travis um but that's that's a good one that came out of that podcast I picked that up too at the time uh the guest on on the wrap up uh compared Dexter to Batman and and even said that he was more heroic than Batman which uh, Travis is right they just kind of let it slide but I nearly crashed the car when when they said yeah. that because that's to suggest that Batman's kind of a vigilante and Dexter has been sort of described as a vigilante but that that's suggesting that he's doing it for some greater good which we know Batman is but Dexter's doing it for selfish reasons and any knock-on effect to society is purely incidental. Don't you agree? Yeah, I mean, there there is definitely some crossover in the vigilante spectrum of both of them. Um, I mean, Batman is a sociopath in, in, a, in a many ways, too. I mean, it depends on what version, and there's so many different comics, too, you know? Um, you know, take your pick. But... I like what he said about Dexter. Be I mean, let's not forget Dexter is a murderer. He's a serial killer, you know, and he has done plenty of shit that has hurt innocent people, right? Um, including his own wife. So I, I, I think that what happens is that creators, you know, they fall in love with their babies. Recently, David Chase did an interview where you know the guy who created the sopranos and yeah. um he said at one point when they were you know this this big article came out oh he admits that you know this is what happened at the end tony you know i don't want to spoil people even i mean i think we can spoil the sopranos but you know he said this is what really happened in the end and then david chase had a had a line where he said I couldn't understand why after watching this guy for all these seasons people wanted to see him die. I mean, you don't you, there's not some part of you that loves Tony Soprano and I'm reading that going, "No, he's horrible." Like uh, Tony Soprano is horrible. Dexter is a little bit more lovable, but still he's a murderer. You know what I'm saying? Like I think people just kind of fall in love with their creations and this is a great point the caller here because I think it's important to say what Deb is saying is correct. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really yeah. like that because let's be honest here. If we, as a real human beings, what she's saying is right. He does hurt everyone around him. It is not a good idea for him to be involved with the sheriff, anyone at all. Right? Like he, he, he has not, he has just brought his problems to a new place. Yeah, indeed. And you were kind of uh, alluding to that before, weren't you, about um, that you can move around, but your problems will go yeah. with you and, and you will still be you. You'll take you with you, uh, which is what he's done. Um, Travis raised the question about uh, why Dexter had to fake his own death in the first place in, in light of whether they seem to be retconning um, things. Uh, I, I think Dexter faked his death uh, probably is a, a bit of a knee-jerk reaction um, to to what happened with Deb, uh, and, and he, it was that final realization that the person closest to him is yeah, he's yeah. caused her her death, and he thought, right, stuff it, that's it, peace out, I'm off. Yeah. 
<laughs> and that was that was all he could think of to do at that at that time. Um, and, and as we saw at the end, he went to Oregon and started chopping down trees, surrounding himself by the sound of chainsaws to uh, <clears throat> to torment himself, this self-imposed exile. Um, and it sounds like maybe he was there a few years because he's only been in Iron Lake a couple of years. Yes. So I mean, Travis raises the question, why why not just stay there? Um, but I wonder whether as, as a as a human being, we a lot of us can be quite comfortable in our own company, can't we? But ultimately, we also seek connection. And perhaps um, that's the point that he got to where he'd, he'd been there long enough and he thought, right, I'm feeling better. Let's uh, let's have a new start somewhere. Um, yeah. But I have to wonder, and, and uh, I didn't bring this up earlier, is how was Dexter able to send Hannah a letter in the first place? Because he he um, said bye to her and, and Harrison and off they went. He didn't know. He knew they'd gone to Argentina. But they, how would she send him a forwarding address <laughs> and See, vice versa? And would it be stupid enough to leave a return address on, on the letter that could potentially be traced back? You know, this is someone who described himself as a very neat monster. Well, um, you know what, Gareth? I think the answer lies in really what I was going to say to the first part that you were talking about, which is that um, we have to allow for the fact that he makes mistakes, that just like the faking of the death, it was not really that well thought out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um he wants he always wanted to be caught all serial killers that's a mark of serial killers they want attention and they want to be caught right that's what makes him a serial killer um i think that it's that it's part of the pathology so i think to me that's my answer to both of these and my feeling on both of them is i agree with his points but i feel like it takes when people assume that writers are um, making, like, forgot something or doing something against character, they often neglect the fact that perhaps what the writer is trying to do is create a more complex character who makes decisions that you don't quite understand. Because in real life, look around you. A lot of people make decisions that I do not understand. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, yeah. That's part of life. It's <laughs> part of life. Yeah. And I guess, I guess if, um, if anyone listening isn't, isn't down with that, then, um, I guess, I guess it's kind of like it or lump it sort of deal, isn't it? <laughs> do we just excuse it and, and move on? Cause you can get hung up on everything, yes, can't you? All these little, exactly nitpicks and um i mean some nitpicks are worth are worth delving into but um we want to enjoy the show don't we right but i'm also <laughs> mind you the, i'm also i want to interrupt but i want to say i'm also open to the fact that that's not a nitpick that that's actually a cleverly disguised plot point that we'll discover something later right we don't know yeah maybe dexter is indeed. gonna say indeed Wait a second, I we didn't don't... put my address on that letter. I gave it to her when you left. What are you talking about? Or maybe we're going to find out that there's more to the story. So just say, you know, you never know. If yeah, not, yeah, whatever. indeed, it's early days. Yeah. Early days, and there's a lot more, a lot more Dexter to come. 
Okay, uh, let's let's move on to the the last voicemail. This is this is one that came in just under the wire while we've been recording. This is from uh, Nick Henderson, who is uh, another uh, premium patron for which uh, I'm very grateful. Uh, Nick Henderson hosts the Four Player podcast uh, and also is a guest writer at DexterDaily.com, where he's doing weekly recap and reviews. Uh, over there so do go over there and and, and support him and check out uh, what he writes each and every week Um, Nick uh, has has long been a a contributor to this podcast um, as as a guest on on air and and also through his feedback this season he's opted to uh, record a voicemail each week just going over his highlight of the episode Uh, so let's let's find out what uh, what Nick liked this week Nick here again. Uh, first of all, quick response to some of the discourse last week involving the new intro style. While I'm not a huge fan of the quick zero-context montage of imagery from the episode to come, I don't entirely hate it. They are certainly taking a page from the Mission Impossible playbook for whatever reason. But, you know, as iconic as that morning routine intro was, it was exceptionally long, and it often cut into the runtime of the episode significantly. With New Blood, I really am enjoying getting to the storytelling quicker and not wasting a bunch of time on an intro that I've seen a hundred times. Just my two cents. But anyways, time to talk about Storm of Fuck. This episode is interesting because it feels kind of like the first episode that doesn't have to bear the weight of being the premiere. It can just kind of focus on progressing the story and is likely more representative of the show as a whole. As a result, it feels a little bit less grand, I think, than Cold Snap did, and at times a bit more familiar. In a lot of ways, it's a classic Dexter episode. He inserts himself into a police investigation, and it's a race against them to keep a lid on his own crime scene. The highlight of the episode for me were pretty much any scene involving Deb and her new vengeful ghost persona. She's killing it, man. I love how she changes to reflect whatever's going on inside Dexter's brain. She supports him when he's doing well, and then lashes out at him in extreme ways when he falls off the wagon. She mocks him when he screws up, and it's fantastic. I especially love the taunting in the car and Dexter losing it in his head. Great performances from both Michael and Jennifer here. As excited as I am to have Dexter back in our lives, it just in general, it's the fun they're having with Deb that continues to keep New Blood feeling fresh. I can't wait to see where she pops up next. In a kill room, perhaps? Uh, two other really quick notes. Um, I think Jack Alcott is killing it as Harrison. He's doing great. His performance is certainly a highlight of the show for me so far. It doesn't feel forced or unrealistic like a lot of actors playing younger roles do. Um, and lastly, the bait and switch they did with the body under the fire pit left my jaw on the floor. Um, if I had to guess, this was meant to be a temporary solution until he came up with something better or until he had time to follow through with his actual plan. As we all know, in the last episode, he was kind of in a race against time to get to the bus station to pick up Harrison before he left and was out of his life forever. So all in all, I think it was a great note to leave the episode on. And overall, I think I really enjoyed the episode a lot. Um, I just hope they kind of explain how he actually put the body under the fire pit, because logistically speaking, I have no idea how he did that. But anyways, sorry if I went a little long this week, but there was a lot to unpack. Here's. Okay, thanks, Nick. Yeah, we didn't talk about that final shot of the episode, did we, earlier? Um, We found out what Dexter did with Matt Caldwell's body. The... uh, the suggestion last week was very much when he looked at the the poster of the fisherman at the ice hole that uh, he was going to uh, drop him in the lake. Uh, but we found out this week that wasn't the case. Yeah. Uh, and and he buried him under his fire pit. Um, 
again, I still don't necessarily think that's a great idea. Um, but I guess there's no Gulf Stream handy for him to um, to ditch the bodies into. Um, maybe he's going to to move the move the bodies uh, move the body. Uh, later on, we did see in the. I don't know if you watched the trailer, Axel. Um, nope. There was an image uh, in in that trailer that might suggest uh, wh- where this might go. Um, I don't want to s- spoil it for you if if you've not seen it. It's all right. Um, no, okay, I... so that shall I, shall I say? Um, I imagine a lot of people listening will have seen the trailer anyway. Uh, and, and, and I, I may be making a false connection, but there was uh, a, a moment in the trailer where Dexter is standing in front of a large furnace um, with Deb standing next to him. And ah. so th- the suggestion was that, well, the suggestion I got from that was that that's how he's going to be disposing of oh, people. Okay. Um, we've not seen such a furnace in the show yet. Um, um, yeah, but that's, man, that's still to come. I, You know what? I have to tell you, I was not sure whether that was metaphor or reality, that last shot. Because as you had said, he he said he was going to throw it down the ice fishing hole. And I thought he did throw the body. And then you mentioned on the last podcast, well, that didn't work out so well for you last time, pal. So maybe he had the same thought, right? Um, I still don't, and I, but you're right, he was rushed for time, so... That's interesting to me. I I kind of left it open in my mind that it could be either. That it was either metaphor that the body's underground, hidden in the lake, whatever. But the fact that that's actually where he did it, where he hid the body, um, is interesting. And also, I watched that again, and it was hard to say. I mean, the way that the that it kind of the CGI or you know how it looked in that image, it could have been. It didn't have to be directly underneath the fire fire pit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how direct that is, but if it is, that's cool. Um, I, yeah. I think that, that it totally makes sense. And it would make more sense, yeah, to actually burn it and get rid of the body this time. Because that's kind of a little bit smarter. I never understood. Yeah. The one thing at Dexter, I, that was actually my little pet peeve is... I never understood throwing the bodies into the ocean like that. That didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and wrapped in plastic to preserve yes, them a bit longer. Exactly, exactly. Yes, <laughs> right. Make it harder for the fish to eat it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and and also Nick mentions um, the lack of traditional uh, title sequence that we yeah. used to get in the original series, which he's right was um, perhaps a little long. And uh, I used to fast forward through it. Uh, some of the feedback and comments I've received on on Twitter and, and Facebook and, and email as well, it, it seems that people are missing a, a traditional title sequence. Mm. Um, personally, I'm I'm not bothered. No, I don't need either. it. Um, I miss the music. I though. just want to get I want to get down to the goodies and um, and and see what the episodes actually what the episode actually wants to show me, you know. Yeah. I think, like Nick says, not a title sequence you've seen a hundred times. Yeah, I think more than anything, it's the music, man. The doom, doo, 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 doo. I wish a little bit more of the music, but I don't miss the title sequence. I'm cool. I like I like how it seems it's about ice now, right? Like first yes. it was the road, now it's the mirror. It's like kind of like fog or or like 
cold or something. I don't know. I kind of dug it. Yeah. Um, and it was it was one of the earlier emails. Uh, it was the one from Shay, I think, in Israel that mentioned uh, uh, the lack of the traditional uh, Dexter score that we yeah. used to enjoy. Um, of course, the original composer, Daniel Licht, uh, died a few years ago, um, unfortunately. So... Um, uh, they couldn't. They couldn't have the original composer back to uh, reprise. Uh, I'm sure uh, his, his, his his role there. Yeah. Um, but I guess the new style of of music and having um, just straightforward songs like we had Iggy Pop last week, yeah. amongst others. Um, it's just all part of the new style of of the show. The new style. The new feel that they're going for. Um, and I'm I'm f- fine with that. I, I like that they still kept the blood theme at the end, though, because that's my favorite bit of Dexter yep. music. Are you missing the old score? Yeah, I mean, I do. But like you said, I I think that's why people say they miss the it's just really the music. Right. Not really. I don't think it's really the titles. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But I'm, I mean, I kind of do. But like you're saying, too, I'm cool with new things. If they want to go in a new direction. There's enough of, I mean, Dexter's still in the show, so that's good enough for me. (laughs) It doesn't need to be a copy. (laughs) Want to end up on my table? Email dissectingdexter at gmail.com. It really is the most fun part of of doing this, as as I always say. It's interacting with you guys. Um, and, and, and hearing what you think and knowing what you enjoy and what you don't, etc. Uh, it's it's great. And I, I was looking today at the um, at the podcast stats, and what struck me was the uh, the, the download by country uh, breakdown that the new podcast host uh, gives me. Um, the USA was far and away um, the highest um, number of downloads, uh, two thirds followed by uh, the UK and Canada. Um, but I was quite surprised at some of the uh, some of the countries, uh, surprised in, in, in a good way and, and, and delighted to see um, places like um, uh, Taiwan, uh, Peru, Guatemala, Iran, some wonderful far-flung places. And it, it as I say, it delights me to think that, that people from all these different corners of the globe are, are, are listening to my inane ramblings each week. Wow. Uh, so hello, whoever you are. <laughs> Drop me a line. Uh, that would be good. Uh, it would be good to hear from um, from some of our um, listeners from from um, countries where we, we don't get the, the large downloads, but um, the, the one download from Taiwan. Say hello. It <laughs> would be lovely to hear from you dissectingdexter at gmail.com is the address so i i think we've i think we've done this episode justice axel uh, and, and thank you for um for your input this week and your thoughts and theories it's it's been brilliant and I, i'm i'm sorry i choked out halfway through hopefully I, i'll be able to edit it um appropriately so as not to spoil the listener's enjoyment and uh, <laughs> have too many gaps where i'm uh, coughing my heart out um, <laughs> but uh, perhaps um, we, we can sign off if, if, if you can just let listeners know where, uh, where they can hear more of, uh, of your, your work sure well I mean thank you for having me brother this has been a 
It's always great to talk to you and especially to talk about Dexter. I'm so happy that it's back. I'm so happy dissecting Dexter's back. You can check me out at dvrpodcast.com. It's the DVR Podcast Network. Currently, we are covering, Heath and I are covering a new show on Paramount Plus called The Mayor of Kingstown, starring Jeremy Renner, baby. So check us out, Mayor of Kingstown or Daily DVR. Thank you for having me on, Gareth. You're the best, buddy. Take care. Thanks very much, Axel. And uh, to everybody else, uh, thank you for listening. Thanks to uh, all our patrons. Uh, you guys are brilliant, uh, present company included. And, um, yeah, we'll be back in a few days' time when we'll be dissecting some more Dexter. Until then, stay safe, everybody. Thanks again. Take care. Goodbye. <laughs>